Must be like the wolf pack, not like six pack. Teamwork. Yes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, There's No I in Podcast, a podcast about teams, being in teams, running teams, uh, making the most out of your teams. Uh, I am, as always, with my partner in pod, Sean Gallagher. Hello, Sean. How are you? Hey, Mark. I'm very well. Thank you. What's been keeping you busy this week? So this week, I, um, I've actually got a uh... A little bit on group think. Interesting. Yeah. So I watched a documentary uh, yesterday and there's basically, uh, it was basically about a Swedish serial killer who, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're going Let's dark. see where this yeah. goes. <laughs> we're, we're going, we're going dark. So Swedish serial killer uh, changed his name to Thomas Quick. That wasn't his real name. He obviously had a, a Swedish name. And uh, he was in a psychiatric clinic kind of on and off um, throughout the years. He was addicted to uh, uh, drugs um, and said he had quite a bad childhood. But basically what happened was over time, he started to confess to these unsolved murders mm. and they were, they were, they were kids. Um, a lot of them were, were children. And so basically what happened was there was two people running the clinic. This was a very kind of new clinic um, in terms of how they were trying to treat patients. They were trying to see, you know, murderers and, and, and these people on a human level and trying to work with them so that they would, you know, tell, tell us about their crimes and divulge and not, not have it all repressed. And what happened was it just turned out that he was a really, really sick man mentally. He, he did have a lot of, um, of mental needs, but he was extremely lonely. And so he was confessing to murders that he didn't actually commit because as soon as he started to confess to things, all of a sudden, these people in this clinic who were trying to make their approach a groundbreaking one, he was becoming the, the vessel for that because everything they were doing was leading to confessions of murders. Yeah. And so just to tie that in with Groupthink, which uh, there's a book by Irving Janis, um, 1972 book uh, about this. They talk more about it in terms of uh, political events where people made group decisions on things like Pearl Harbor and, and, and things like that. But just the fact that Groupthink can be very dangerous, guys, because mm. sometimes we all want to maybe please one person or we all want to think that a theory or an idea is amazing and so we all kind of feed off each other and there's no one really in the room going hang on a second there's no evidence to these murders there's no yeah. dna there's no forensics should we think about this a little bit more and so that's on a very extreme level but if we take that all the way back down to the business world or education or sports teams or whatever we can get uh kind of locked into this group think so yeah, that echo, that echo chamber that they describe yeah. on like when you're only getting the information um, or mob mentality. Exactly, exactly. You know, and they were trying to please these, uh, these very high up. There was two, there was, there was a woman who uh, had kind of founded this clinic, I believe, and she was, you know, very intelligent and, and people were almost trying to please her. So as these murders were being confessed by Thomas Quick, she was gaining more recognition. The incorrect ideas were being reinforced because they were... Exactly, reinforced because it, it, it fell in line with what they were trying to... Interesting. To, uh, to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? to evidence, you know, that yeah. their theories were being proven, that their practices were being proven uh, correct. And then, yeah, he just decided um, one day to just come out and say, look, this is all, this is all a lie, you know, and then was released after 23 years in a, in a psychiatric clinic. It's so interesting being able to have that critical voice. And I don't mean critical as in your rubbish, but that, mm. that voice of challenge within it, within a group, particularly when we talk about groups that do have this, and we've always identified this positively, this common aim, this we're aiming for this thing. And that's our right. team's goal that there is always that risk of our own thinking, reinforcing a path that maybe isn't as clear or accurate as 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 it is in fact and so you do need to to foster within that group that ability like um kevin casey was saying for someone no matter who they are in the group to go yeah but is this better exactly or to be able to challenge 
Exactly. Definitely to challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you can see it every single day, that group thing can people not want, wanting to please someone who they actually do admire, you know, this, 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 uh, this woman was was very admired within the clinic, you know, mm. and her practices were being revered. And I'm assuming these are smart people. These are one hundred percent, you know, doctors. No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And and none of them were evil, and none of them were were trying to go out to do the wrong things. But it just goes to show you that you know, nice, normal, intelligent people put together in a scenario can sometimes you know, make, make errors and make, make mistakes. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that one out there, Mark, because uh, I watched watched it last night. (laughs) And it's haunting you all the way through the day. Yeah. (laughs) So today we have a a phenomenal uh, guest. We're going to be talking to a chap called Ben Dunford. Ben is the founder of a uh, software platform called ePraise, which is used in schools to motivate and reward students and as we discover in the chat is used in other places as well but you know if we talk about motivation the idea of of the carrot and the stick this is a platform that's all carrot and so ben uh, is going to be talking to us about how his platform and the principles behind it encourage collaboration and encourage uh, motivation in, we talk a lot about young people, but in, in general, it's a, it's a fascinating one. Really good. Yeah, really good stuff. And, and I was impressed to see that a business, you know, has actually uh, adopted ePraise in a, in a more customized uh, sense, which was, which was really good to hear. Ben's a great guy, really intelligent and, and really broke down the business and, and what its kind of aims and, and values are. I've used the platform um, in, in demo form and, and it is really great. So yeah, I hope, hope our listeners enjoy. Cool. Let's listen to uh, our chat with Ben Dumford from ePraise. So joining us today on the podcast, we have uh, Ben Dunford. Ben is the founder of a platform called ePraise. Um, now, Ben will explain it much better than I will, but in, in brief, ePraise is uh, a, a platform that's used within school settings to offer rewards to students. Ben, I'm murdering this. Hello. No, How are hi. You? Yeah, yeah. Great, great. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, actually, kind of um, describing what ePraise does has got more and more complicated over the years. I mean, just to kind of give a bit of background, when we first started out, it was just a really simple house point system. Most of the teachers didn't even log in to see it. And now we kind of do well, pretty much everything, actually, that you, you might do as a student, teacher or parent. We have a, a, a motto, which is, motivate students, engage parents and save teachers time, which basically means we cover everything from behaviour management to seating plans, activities, communications, homework, classwork. You could call us a, I don't know, like a learning and engagement platform. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's really difficult to describe it, isn't it? <laughs> no, not at all. Sean and I both work uh, in our day jobs in a college setting. And so we are familiar with those kind of learning management systems and those uh, virtual learning environments and all of the online tools that end up getting pulled in to to streamline I say in inverted commas, uh, the, the, the teaching experience and the, the organizational experience for schools. So the relief that I felt hearing you say, uh, save teachers time, it feels crucial. Yeah. And you know, that's everything, even, even like from students and pet, everything always comes down to time. Like time is the most precious resource and teachers in particular, but even like students and parents, you know, we're struggling for time. Um, you know, especially parents at the moment when you've got, you know, two kids at home and you're trying to do a full-time job at the same time, sat at your kitchen table, time is, is more mm. precious than ever. And that's kind of what we focus on more than anything. And I guess the reason that we, you know, although we just started with house points and achievements, the reason we, we've kind of um, gone into so many different areas is because we know we can make an impact, a positive impact on saving time for those those people as well as you know the motivation and engagement that those those are important too but i guess saving time is probably right at the top of the list because that that motivates us and that engages us i guess yeah i was going to say the time saving is the motivation sometimes isn't it yeah, 100%, especially the teacher yeah 100 and i'm going to take a punt that this has come from experience in 
the classroom? Yeah. So I've been a teacher for, I think, nearly 15 years, something like that. So like a secondary computer science teacher to trained, mm. oh, goodness me, it's a long, long time ago I did my training. It, it feels like a long time ago as well. But yeah, something like, I don't know, like 2015 or something like that. No, even earlier than 2005, that. maybe. Oh, yeah, 2005. Something like, quite, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a yeah. long, long time ago. <laughs> 2005, 2006, something like that. And um, yeah, it's just like the, the first thing I noticed, probably not the first thing, but one of the first things I noticed was there's just so many inefficiencies in schools. At least it was back then. You know, I think times have moved on a little bit, but not as much as I'd like to see. And um, people just don't have any time to do stuff. You know, as a teacher, what I enjoy is being in the classroom with the children. I don't, yeah. I don't really enjoy sitting down marking work. I don't really enjoy, you know, filling in reports. I, I enjoy teaching because um, that's that's you know, that's all in, the, all in the title, isn't it? And yet we do recognise how important that feedback is, yeah, and that uh, that encouragement is in terms of both, like you were saying, parental engagement, but student motivation. That without that feedback, it's like they're learning into a black hole. One hundred percent. Those things are uh, they're absolutely essential. You, you have to do the, the reporting. You have to do the feedback. You have to do the assessment. But when I first started teaching, that the the process of even something as simple as like giving a student a point just took so long, and it must have gone through like you know probably five different people by the time it got into a bar chart. It, because you've got <laughs> you know the teacher doing like a little stamp in the back of a student's planner, then that goes to the tutor who then types it into a spreadsheet. Then that goes to the head of year who then types it into another spreadsheet. Then that goes to like the administrator who writes out some certificates by hand. Like the, the number of man hours that schools are wasting. Without one point. Yeah, yeah, just for a point. Like, like it's, it's kind of mad. And the same thing applies not just to points. It, it applies, you know, or did apply. Like I say, we've moved on a little bit now, but did, did apply kind of across the board for, you know, like setting homework and stuff like that. The things always just take, took longer than they needed to do. And it's not that as teachers we don't understand how important those things are. They're massively important to set homework, massively important to do assessment, to do right reports, that they're a part of our job, an essential part of our job. And we wouldn't get the the impact that we want to have without those things. But we don't enjoy wasting time doing them. Uh, what we enjoy is seeing the impact of them, I guess. Definitely. And so was that ultimately what led you from classroom teaching into Epraiser was there a, was there a middle point? Uh, yeah, I guess there was quite a few kind of middle points. I've, since I was um, since I was a kid, I've, I've kind of loved learning about computers. I think um, mm. probably I must be about five or something like that because I can barely remember it. But my dad showed me how to uh, draw a circle on the screen on like a Sinclair uh, the ZX Spectrum or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of learned a, like a little bit of code. And I think, I'd, again, I've got no idea how old it was, but let's say 10, something like that. We had a, an old computer. It had Snake on it, not like the Nokia yeah. Snake, but like the, the full-on, you know, DOS Snake. And I learned how to like customize variables so you could make the Snake go faster. Or, I remember this. This was QBasic. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, and it had a second program that was gorillas throwing bananas <laughs> no at each way. other. Yeah, exactly. And you could customize like everything. And it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah going in and changing the value for gravity. Yeah. And suddenly this game stopped being just the game yeah. it was at like the game and the code and you could play, dig into it and yeah just the rewarding the rewarding quality of changing at changing a value and at your gorilla being a different color or am, am i uh, too cheating. young for this am i too young for this <laughs> you are, i'm like sure. what are they talking about <laughs> Sean's a console kid. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know that was kind of like the start of my like um, understanding of what is behind systems. And you know, as, as yeah. I you know I did my GCSEs and went to university, you kind of start spotting inefficiencies is like a negative word, but like things in life that you you think you could add value to by yeah by creating a platform or, or a system that supports the people and the key thing is supporting people not not the platform for a platform state so like when i did teacher training 
we were logging all of our evidence with um, in, a, in a big spreadsheet. It was a huge spreadsheet. So every time you, you did a lesson observation or something like that, you'd type out what, what you did and your, your targets and your grades and all that kind of stuff. So I built a, a, a platform around that where everything could go into one place and you could kind of layer on top of that with some useful tools like communications, for example. And it just transformed yeah. the way that that kind of organization as a whole ran. And that, I guess, led really well into to something like ePays, although for sure there were several points along the along the line where I went down, like, you know, different avenues. I did like um, like a CPD portal. That was really cool for a while. So, you know, you'd, the um, so a bit like ePays where you got points, you had like hours of CPD. Um, so you, the teachers could kind of um, take part in some CPD around the school. They could do some at home or, or watch something online and that would count towards the hours. And then you'd get like a, like a, like a leaderboard of, how much CPD everybody's been doing and you can kind of do your performance management around that system. So there's been loads of like little, little things, but ePraise was, I guess, um, just felt right. It felt like something that was, was much bigger. And, um, I guess I've always been interested in, in running a business and kind of making, you know, my own decisions. Um, yeah. it, it, in the same way, the, um, I was saying about spotting lots of inefficiencies in the way that, you know, the world works. Um, there's also a lot of frustration in, in the way the world works in the way that, you know, maybe some organizations or, or some people work and being able to run my own business means that, um, I can set a direction that I think can tackle those issues, not just from a you know, platform state, but also from, let's say, customer service. The customers are like, goodness me, I don't want to mention any like specific like um organization but some we've already experienced it you know be it you know energy or computer systems or or, or whatever the customer service is terrible and yeah. being kind of um the owner of a business allows me to kind of tackle those those issues as well as you know saving teachers time and motivating students engaging parents and all those other things that we do that's but- interesting because uh we come back quite a bit uh to values and how values play into uh how we contribute and it sounds like it sounds like the values that lead to you creating a platform like ePraise are the same values that feed into how the business is run or the interactions are are there that what's important in one is important in others not to put you on the spot (laughs) what would you say for you are those key things that define the values of ePraise that you think maybe are other values that you hold yourself? <laughs> um, maybe care is quite a good word because yeah. I think um, we care for our platform, we care for our customers, we care about what people say about us. You know, mm. you, you might say that about yourself, but unless you've kind of got, you know, a vested in, interest in what you're doing, it might be difficult to care for, you know, your, your organization, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that the care that we take and, you know, the experiences we've had where people haven't taken care of, you know, the customer service or the platform or, or whatever, they all, all feed into that. So yeah, care, I guess. That's a good one. Lovely. I guess you, to be successful in what you're doing, Ben, you kind of need to have a, a little bit of both, don't you? You've got your computer science background, of course, and that's where you're able to put out, you know, a really mm. good product. But then you need someone with those soft skills. And without being stereotypical, sometimes I feel as though if someone's brain works in a computer science way, yeah. sometimes maybe the soft skills side can be lacking. If we look at big tech companies and things like that, yeah. they have to do a lot around the management of soft skills because it may not be the number one asset of that CEO or that founder of that startup. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and we do see it a lot. I mean, uh, so obviously as part of running the business, we've had lots of rounds of interviews for staff. Yeah. And you see a, a wide variety of people. And I guess, you know, like, I guess it is a stereotype that your, um, you know, your program is a little bit geeky and a little bit more, uh, or a little, little bit less outgoing. And, you know, th- th- there's, there's probably some truth in that in, for, in, in, for some personalities, but, but equally, that's not the only way that a pro- programmer can be. And certainly the ones that we've had have always been, or the ones we've chosen from interview, have always been 
you know, really outgoing, able to express themselves and able to discuss. I think the, the key thing actually is discussing your output, your your work from a user's perspective. And I think that's that's really, really important for, for anybody, you know, looking for a career in computer science that you're able to look at it from a user's perspective, not a, you know, this is cool, look what look what this does. Because just exactly. being cool and, and doing something in a particular way, that's not good enough. You need to think about it from a user's perspective and, and how that's gonna gonna feel. There's something that triggers in me from a curiosity point of view about who the user with a system like ePraise is. Because I think it sounds like, and I have had an opportunity to have a wander around and, 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 and play around with it, that there are a bunch of different users that as, as described in your motto, you've got the teacher who wants mm-hmm. to be able to give feedback and give rewards as efficiently and speaking as a teacher as effectively as possible, because it feels great to be able to pat someone on the back mm. and know that that gets experienced positively. Um, then you've got the parent, then you've got the student themselves. So that's three very, very different user experiences that you're, yeah. that you're angling for there. Yeah. And, and it, it's important to not only try and be able to see it yourself, but, but you can't see it from everybody's perspective. So it's important to ask people what mm. they think. So I said, um, you know, one of the key things about the way we do things is caring, but it's also about listening as well. Um, about listening to what your, you know, what, what is the feedback, asking the right questions and kind of, if you've got an idea, perhaps running it by someone. So for example, um, Tracy in our team, she's a parent of two secondary school children. Now I, I'm a, a recently a parent but my kids are, are much, much younger. So I've got, haven't got that experience of what it's like as, as, as a, a parent of older children. So when we're doing something around parenting engagement, the first person that I'm going to run it by is Tracy because she's got much more in-depth knowledge of that. I think to, to assume that, that you're the expert is, is, unless you actually are the expert, is a very bad idea. Yeah. And even if you are, I think there's a lot of merit to knowing that there's probably other experts. <laughs> yeah, other, other experts, other opinions, other ways of doing things. Um, and by going out and asking for feedback and, and listening, you end up with a much better product. Definitely. I, I've, I've quite liked um, some of the webinars that, you, that you've put on uh, over, <laughs> yes. the, uh, over the kind of lockdown period, um, kind of ready for September. I, I thought that was a great idea. I don't think every company is necessarily doing that. And I think it allows users to kind of have that bit of face-to-face, even if it's over the screen, um, and really get more of a bit of an in-depth knowledge on what the product looks like. And you had the Q&As in there um, to ask any questions at the time. So, you know, for, for our listeners... Ben saying that listening is important and feedback is important, but he's actually putting that into practice because I've seen it myself <laughs> in real life, you know, and yeah. it was great to to have that. And I'm not sure who the colleague was that you were working with at the time. It was a, a female lady. I think she was Kelsey, possibly. You had her on Q&As as you were doing the webinar, but you guys worked really well together. There was good interaction between the two of you and it ran really smoothly and I was quite impressed. So just on that point of you saying that, uh, these things are important. I can definitely see that from your output because it was uh, that the webinars were great. Thanks. Yeah, that's that's really really nice to hear. And it actually, you know, it's not just listening to suggestions and, and stuff. It's also listening to you know people like yourself tell us if we're doing a good job or not. Um, yeah. No, obviously, or well, thankfully, uh, most people say you know that they're really pleased with, with what we're doing. But if anybody ever says anything else, then it's important to listen to those and tweak what you're doing. Um, in order to, to, to keep doing a better job and perhaps just press people for, you know, all like, yeah, great. So we're doing a good job, but how, how can we, you know, move it forward? How can we make those kind of, you know, marginal gains to, to make it just that, that much better to stay ahead of, you know, what, what other people are doing, for example. Sure. So on that, I wanted to talk a little bit about how the platform, uh, in its, in its, I won't call it its primary uh, incarnation yeah, as yeah, yeah. a as a student reward system, yeah. the house points element. Yeah. Um, I wanted to to ask to what extent or in what ways you have explored or looked at how you can 
best motivate these these groups either as we've seen it through kind of competition and house challenges or just through this reward system in terms of how a team works being able to either put this pressure on to keep the challenge up Mm -hmm. or to encourage collaboration how how epraise does that Big question. Hey, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of different parts to it, I guess, isn't there? So you've got like the community side of things. So feeling part yep. of something. So in a typical secondary school, you, a student is in a tutor group, they're in a year group, they're often in a house, which is, you know, they're all teams effectively, aren't they? Definitely. And you kind of feel part of a, well, I hope that the student will feel part of that community. That's what the schools aim to do at least. You even have inter-school competitions with, with like sporting events and stuff like that. So that community side of things, and of course the competition side of things, like I say, when it comes to sporting events and uh, other kind of house games, that kind of stuff, those, those are really, really important. So competition community are kind of the, the founding ideas around our house points system and then we on top of that we layered what you'd call a rewards system i guess um by rewards that kind of involves you you saving up the points that you've achieved and putting them towards something so that used to be like physical things like a pen or a football or Maybe like an Amazon voucher, which is kind of physical. And that definitely worked for some students. In fact, it probably worked for most students, but it's definitely a short-term motivator, if that makes sense. Right. So there's def- there's a place for it, but those physical items, they're, they're a short-term motivator. The interest will not last forever. Just because I can buy a biro does not mean I'm going to work any harder. Yeah. So what we started recommending to schools based on what we've seen in working in schools is still having the same mechanism where the students save up their points, they have a balance and they can spend them in the shop or on items in the prize drawers, which works in a similar kind of way. But the idea being that then they buy them, buy, buy not items, but they would buy experiences. So you could have possibly... I don't know, a local celebrity come into school and run a, a special rugby training session or something like that. So all those kids that are then interested in rugby, they get this experience at the end of all their hard work. And that experience does something different to the brain. And I'm not a psychologist, so I can't tell you how it actually works. But it, I guess in, in a way it, it makes sense that buying a biro, there's no like long-term memory of buying a bar because who cares right it reminds me of if you're aware of the jack petchy award scheme where the student or the group member is rewarded with an amount of money 250 pounds on the proviso that that is spent on the group so their actual reward is to be a benefactor Mm -hmm is to be able to say the thing that I did that was good means we all get yeah. this, you know, trip trip to Legoland or uh, <laughs> from one of the groups that I run outside. It is and has always been Nando's or Five Guys. <laughs> Everybody loves Nando's. Uh, yeah. who, if you want to sponsor us, Nando's <laughs> or Five Guys, I'll happily take some chicken. But because of the age of the young people, them being able to choose an experience rather than me going in and yeah. saying, oh, hey, everyone, you're you're all going to Legoland and have the 14, 15-year-old girl roll her eyes at me. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you get you get them be able to go, actually, we want to feel like people who get to, you know, pick the film that we go and see or yeah. have a have a grown up meal. Yeah. I think I think as well that we're just, you know, in, in 2020, the society we have now, I think everyone's moved towards experiences anyway. You know, a yeah, lot of people true. talk about experiences is what you now want. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not good enough to go to a nice hotel abroad, there needs to be, you know, lots of activities that you're going to do whilst you're in that hotel and things that other people can't experience and one-off kind of experiences. So I I think you you guys have done a great job in kind of recognizing that experiences are probably longer lasting, as you said, um, you know, and will last in the memory. I think another example is probably 
uh, sort of having like a dress down, like a dress down Friday if they're, if they're in a uniform school. I think that's one of an option I've seen. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, so you know, like uh, if a student say for points, they could buy that for their tutor group, and then they basically become the hero of the tutor group for a day, which is pretty cool, right? Exactly. And there's something interesting about like remembering that ePraise is operating in an educational setting, mm. and so within all of this, and I must, I, I get the sense that you feel this as someone with a teaching background or a school background, that there still has to be something educational in it. Yeah. It's not, we're, we're, we're still in the business of uh, coaching students and young people towards being uh, rounded adults. Yeah. And the, the dishing out of stuff might not necessarily be the best lesson for them in how the reward or the praise is given. No, one hundred percent. I mean, everything is is in, in in balance, isn't it? I guess you know we we don't work for free. We 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 get paid to 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 do our job, and there's some unless argument, you're a podcast. Uh, unless you're a podcast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, the, yeah. There's, it doesn't Audio feel like it sometimes. No, uh, but. There, there is still some argument for stuff because if stuff has an impact, then maybe, maybe stuff is important. But, but, but in our experience, experiences have a bigger impact. So, you know, where yeah. are you going to put your time and your money? That, that, that's where I would put it. But, you know, for, every kid's different as well. You know, for some kids, mm. being able to buy a football um, or being able to buy a present for their nan for Christmas through ePraise and we, you know, we hear stories like that, that that's, you know, that's great. That's amazing. That choice feels fundamental. Yeah. That agency in, in pick your reward feels really valuable. Yeah. Ma- massively. Um, I think that that's really important. And so that choice also applies to, you know, do you want to do that? Or some schools also run like a charitable donations page. So instead of the student kind of buying their own experience or thing, they can put those points into a, a, like a general pot that might go to a, a charity instead. So that yeah. choice of... I've seen, I've seen in the business world something similar, uh, I believe, um, where, you know, certain types of bonuses or something like that, a percentage of yeah. it has to go to to a charity of their choice, yeah. which I think is a really cool way to do things as well. Um, but Mark, you were going to... I think we're we're kind of going in this direction but before we had Ben on you were talking about kind of we've got this reward system in place um, and it's also a behavioral management tool as well because you have that function Um, but we're talking about schools but you were gonna say Mark just about how that could be taken maybe uh, into the more working adult world. Yeah I was wondering if there are these kind of fundamental principles that ePraise adheres to that if I'm, if I'm listening to this, I'm going and I'm fed up because every time Sean and Mark get someone who has anything to do with a school on, all they do is talk about schools. Yeah, I want something I can apply to my team. And we've talked a little bit about community competition and reward as these kind of underlying principles. Is there something that you've done or that you've looked into in terms of how you have, uh, I think gamification is quite a, hip word for this but how a company or uh, a family or someone listening to this who isn't a school could apply an underlying principle to how they reward yeah. their staff i mean or- what, what's really interesting is we actually have um there's only one but we have a business using the platform nice so you know it's it's uh, i can't remember the specific details but it's a we've we've customized it so for example Year groups might be, I don't know, team or yeah, department, department or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, so this, this, um, company uses it as a, um, a way of recognizing the achievement of their employees. So all of those same concepts, like the competition. So got a leaderboard. They, they, they use those things, the rewards, they have a shop, they use those things. So all of those kind of things feed into, it works just as much as a child as it does to an adult. I mean, obviously there's subtle differences because there are probably things that some schools have in a shop that I wouldn't want as an adult. <laughs> or but actually, the, what, I'd love to know what's in the shop. The BMW that you've just, uh... <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, the way you give, 
and the psychology of like you know giving giving the points out can sound a little bit um what's the right word I get, like 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 childish i guess to mm, to, yeah. to an adult so that, so there's different kind of ways of of doing it but it's all the same thing really yeah the principles are the same it's about vocabulary in that respect what's the language of our company yeah yeah totally and you, you know as, as a perhaps not a small business like ours but certainly the bigger businesses they'll have equivalents of leaderboards where they know who their highest performing employees yeah. are and, yeah. and those kind of things even like a, a well I hate to go back to school but let, you know as a school leader you probably know who your highest performing teachers are and you do because at the end of the year you, you look you look back at their results and you see who had the highest um gain on the the target grade so on that ben did you in your experience as a teacher did you ever feel you were in certain environments where it did feel a little bit competitive so and, and you know things were kind of put out there as, you know, this department's excelling, this department not so much, this teacher, et cetera, or did it never feel like that? Because the whole business world and the education world sometimes seems so far apart. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you want a successful organization and businesses don't want to lose money and schools don't want to lose money. So have you have you worked in environments where it felt a bit more business-like? Um, so I went straight from university into teaching. Mm. Uh, so I've never worked in someone else's business. It's always been my own, apart from, <laughs> you know, summer jobs and, and, and stuff yeah. that, that we've all done. So I've never felt that directly, but I think there's an important point there in that you, you can't just have competition. It can't be too hardcore because yeah. you end up demotivating students or employees or team members because those at the bottom of the leaderboard think, well, how am I ever going to rise up? So you just need to think about how how you use those tools. All these things that we build are are all tools. What really matters is how the people use them. So in the case of a leaderboard, you might only want to highlight the really high achievers but not make the you know the people down the bottom of the leaderboard, be that a student or an employee, not not kind of promote that, not put that in front of you know people because let, let's let's support those people. Let's let's work out what those people at the top of the leaderboard are doing to be so strong in in, in whatever field it is, and use that knowledge to to help people down the bottom. And that's what I like again about ePraise from that point of view, Ben, because a lot of these things you have thought about within within the system because when i've had a, a you know play around uh with with e on the demo you know like you said you can just have top three top five top ten leaderboards students can see these leaderboards students cannot see these leaderboards teachers can see things some teachers can't see things yeah. you know correct me if i'm wrong but like so you you've thought about that before it's gone out there which i yeah. think is a really good thing to do yeah and, and some of that's you know the result of feedback when we've been speaking to schools and they've been like well you know how, how about this what what about this issue mm. and we thought you know well, how about we we have this this functionality in to help you know, uh, avoid those kind of problems. And at the end of the day, there's no, there's no right way to do something. And mm. I'm, I'm sure there's some argument for highlighting those that aren't doing what you'd like them to be doing. So, for example, in the, you in the relegation argue, zone. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, but it's it, it's the same for like okay. So for for te- we have a leaderboard for teachers as well, and that's based on how many points they're awarding. Now. Actually, we're more interested in that case at the teachers at the bottom of the leaderboard because they're basically not doing their job properly. And right. many schools would not have a problem with making that information public because then that becomes this kind of system where, you know, you're walking down the corridor and, and someone says, hey, you didn't award any points this week, did you? And it also becomes a situation where teachers are checking how many other points other teachers are awarding, authors, business, you know, other managers are awarding. Uh, and then they kind of self-regulate it. It helps build that consistency. And I don't, we haven't really come across or, or discussed cons- consistency yet, but actually that's a really, really 
crucial aspect of what we're talking about here because if you're not consistent you, you then kind of you end up losing people along the way definitely and i think with working with young people anyway if they see that you're not consistent in in any way it could be marking it could be behavior management you know it could be your attendance yeah. <laughs> you know you're not there very often teaching them yeah, english yeah. um you know across the board that consistency is key like you said so no that's a really good point uh, that brings me on to uh, a slightly different angle on some stuff that you might be able to talk about that we've not had anyone speak on yet, which is this idea of this team of seven that that you were a part of. When it comes to software development as a process, you yeah. hear a lot of stories. I watched that social network movie. I've you know yeah. the idea of uh, you know move fast, break things, and how that plays into the sense of consistency that you're trying to create and how how your team runs and particularly at the moment because we're at the what we hope is the tail end of uh lockdown it's taught a lot of people about working from home it's taught a lot of people about remote working which is much more common in the kind of uh online or internet based uh businesses so Perhaps you could talk a little bit about how the Epres team operates. Are you a move fast, break things type of company? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, I don't know, maybe there is some truth to that. I think we probably do move a lot faster than, than most people, certainly our competitors. So, for example, when um, we learned that schools were going to be closing, I think we'd already had a a rough idea it was going to happen at some point. I think they closed in, in Italy a couple of weeks before we did, did in Ireland. Mm. And um, within that two weeks, we'd already prepared a lot of things that schools needed. And then, you know, every, every week of, of lockdown, we've released something quite significant that has made a big impact to teachers using our platform, particularly around home learning. So less mm. around the, the, the points and the, the rewarding Less of that was happening during this time because teachers had so many other things to worry about. But around home learning, around communication, those things suddenly became uh, less of an add-on to our platform. You know, you could argue that that's what they were before, but yeah. they became the core. And we saw like, for example, uh, communications messaging. I think we saw something like 26 times more messages sent on that first week of lockdown compared to any of the previous wow. ones. Like the the scale of the difference between before and after is just absolutely huge. But what's really nice about running uh, our, our business, and I think it's probably because it's small, I think that probably helps, is we can move so quickly to respond to those things. So during the time, you know, that, that first week, you know, you, you read the news and you can see that your competitors' systems are falling over because they can't stand the load. We were able to do to, to prepare stuff on the Friday night because we knew that Monday was going to be huge and we managed to keep our systems up and running. So the, the, the pace at which we can make changes has a, a huge impact on, on what our, our users see. And that, that's just an example of the stability of the platform, which I guess is a bit boring, really. But it's fundamental. Fundamental. Yeah, yeah. We we are we were in a situation and a lot of a lot of schools were in that situation of we need to adapt. Yeah. We need those things that we have in place to be resilient to that adaptation or adapt with us. And so being able to bounce back from or prepare for 26 times the yeah. number of messages is not just about you being able to run your business, but about schools being able to take care of their business because yeah. that sense of communication and like top of your list community was so challenging for teachers during that home learning period, trying to maintain a sense of who we are as a group and what it is we're here to do. Yeah, definitely. Massively. And and, and moving on to the, the slightly more interesting things, I think it was only took us a, a few weeks to do like um, like a quizzes functionality so that the teachers could set, set tasks that would mark themselves and that kind of like time-saving functionality that we built in literally like a couple of weeks I don't think there's many organizations, no matter their size, could 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 say that they, they could do that kind of thing. And that's just a testament to, to the team, really, about how hard they've been working 
and how much they care, going back to earlier, about our users. Um, so yeah, I've just been really um, privileged to work with such a bunch of talented people, really. Ben, do you think that, you know, obviously it's a small, fairly small business, uh, seven staff members, you're a founder, you've had your interview processes in the past and maybe people haven't been quite quite right for, for ePraise. You've said, you know, you've got some obviously really resilient staff there that have stepped up to the to the plate and care. Mm. Have you learned a lot, you know, about recruitment, you know, yeah. since, since you've started up the company <laughs> and, and who and who does fit for ePraise? Do you feel like you've got a good mould of what that staff member looks like now yeah, or that team member sorry i think so it's difficult to to explain things like that isn't it you know yeah how do you explain how someone fits it, and, and it's not something that you can put down on paper it's not about you know they've got this degree or they've got that skill or they, they've worked in this company or this many years experience it's all down to personality i think and I mean, all those other things are important and we shouldn't forget that, you know, degrees are really important. We shouldn't forget that experience is, is really important. But if someone's got the right personality, they can step up to the plate. They can learn those new skills. Right. They can get those experiences. Um, so we've always said that, you know, personality is more important than any experience or qualifications. Um, and... You know, I, I, I still think that's the case. And, you know, where where things have gone wrong, and, you know, they, they, they go wrong in, in any organisation. I mean, we had an employee um, only last, I think, a, a week at, at one point. Um, and that was, again, not down to the skills or the experience of that employee. It was just, just down to the, the fit within the organisation that the... Um, you know, they had probably other other priorities, other things to be thinking about. That yeah. they they're, 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 um, they didn't care about this this thing that we're trying to build, and and that's really important. No, it's good how you've tied. It's good because you spoke about care at the very kind of beginning of this chat, and now to to come full circle with recruitment and and bringing that back to care, I think shows that it's definitely something at the forefront of your of your mind and and the business's mind. So, so has this felt like an exciting time or felt? immensely pressured because yeah you know it's it's online systems live or die on their reliability 100 and actually um my stress levels have been through the roof <laughs> you know e even now thinking about september and what's going to happen and all this lack of or any real idea or any ability to plan because nothing is inevitable. We don't know whether the whole country is going to go back into lockdown. We don't know whether it's not going to happen at all, whether we're all going to be fine. It's um, the, the, the unknown is really difficult to work with. You know, I, I spent many a night you know, working till 10, 11, 12 at night trying to ensure that our, our platform was as stable as possible, but also had the functionality that it needed to support those teachers. Uh, and it's the same for my team members. They, they, they were working far longer than they should have done th throughout this period. Um, and they all deserve a, you know, a, a pat on the back and a, and a break this summer. Do they have a shop, Ben? <laughs> I was going to say, is there, is there a reward system in there? <laughs> not, not at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> no, interestingly, the, um, we we do look to for, for ways that we, we might be able to to motivate our, our staff. So we send them some chocolates, that kind of stuff. It's worth recognizing and acknowledging though, because I think that there are some organisations that are clearly businesses, mm. and there are some organisations where what's important about the business is is we're not in it for the money. Like Amazon, yeah. they're going to make money during lockdown. The guys earning a billion while we're yeah. recording this podcast. Teachers. And the adaptations they've had to make. It feels like there is a responsibility that goes beyond, I'm doing this for the money you pay me. Yeah. Um, and an implied extra mileage. It sounds like that uh, responsibility, at least, is embodied in, in some of the work or the values of ePraise and that team, where yeah. how we reward or motivate or 
recognize the fact that no one asked you to go the extra mile, but it's in you to do it. (laughs) Uh, And, and requires recognition. That feels like a challenge in terms of reward because it's no one, no one necessarily asks the teacher at home to spend that extra time recording that video or, you know, making that YouTube content for the kid that didn't manage to log on during class time. But that work needs recognizing in a way that, that is meaningful to the person doing it. It sounds like that's a challenge within your work as well, because, you know, I can't imagine anyone sitting coding e-praise with dollar signs in their eyes. <laughs> no, and, and that's, that's really true. And we've, we've always said that we don't run this business for money. We run this business for impact. We, we want to make a change. We want to help improve the lives of teachers, students, and parents in whatever small way we can. You know, if we can, if we can save five minutes of a teacher's time so they can do something else at the weekend rather than sitting down marking, so they can go and play golf or bake a cake or go and watch their kid play football. Those, those are the important things. It's, it's almost in a way, it's not actually about what, what we're doing. It's about what we're enabling other people to do outside yeah. of, you know, these, yeah. these, these, these jobs roles um what we're freeing up yeah exactly yeah that's and that i can imagine is is the challenge how do i how do i get my team to experience that impact how do i as the hr person or the marketing person who has that part of me that's into it because i'm making people's lives easier let's say or I'm building young people's self-esteem, which is a huge part of this platform. Yeah. Not just not just making them feel better, but allowing them to understand what it takes to feel better about yourself. You know, building the system of self-esteem that they're developing as a teenager, say. How how your staff, your team, experience that kid that now yeah. has got to buy, you know, and is it in is it in those um those stories that come back to you is it in more than anything yeah absolutely so the customer testimonials are kind of crucial to our business actually when we hear from a customer 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 i don't know but when we hear from a school tell us about the impact that e-praise has made that provides all the motivation we need to keep doing our job better and better so we have a in our internal system, we have a thread just full of the cool things that people have said about ePraise. Now, these aren't like public because we haven't asked for permission to make them public. But some of the stories that we see from teachers and, and you know, and parents and students as well, they just, you know, make your heart melt. It, it's just the ding-dongs, Sean. Yeah, the <laughs> ding-dongs. Yeah. We had, we had a, a lady who worked at a charity and every time they had a big... Uh, donation or yeah. managed to secure a, a donor that have a bell and they ding dong it but yeah. you know in the absence of a physical bell they were emailing just subject line ding dong love yeah. it love it yeah and it's the same kind of thing thing for us so we always like we, we keep this like uh, main like chat log with just testimonials in, but we always post it in the like the general chat as well just as it comes up just so everybody can pat each other on the back and say you know good, good job everybody because you know, there's, there's, and it, the key thing is, I would say with any organisation, not, not, not to see praise, that it's not just one person that has led to that, that really nice thing that someone said. It's the whole team. It's the, it's the developers who've, who've, yeah, and j- just because it comes into that one person, the whole team is massively important with that. And, hey, there's a lot of crossover between our teams anyway. So the people that, you know, do, do our marketing are the same people that do our sales, the same people that do our testing. So everybody has like really good, has a really big Plan- impact on the platform itself, as well as the, the, the marketing, the support, and the service, and all that kind of stuff. Lots of collaboration. H- hugely so, yeah. and, and that's really important. That's that's not by accident. That's not just because you know we're a small company. We have to do that. Although there's obviously some truth in that, is actually because the fact that the person who's doing like a demo to a school has actually spent some time testing the uh, functionality that's recently been built into the platform or spent time going through with the developer exactly how they want it to to look 
exactly that that's that's really important because it means they can do a better job in terms of selling the platform because they un, un, understand it better because they've played a, an actual part in, in in its um its evolution so ben we do like to ask our guests um the about anyone who's kind of inspired their kind of leadership um, or themselves as a team member. We say coaches make coaches. So do you have any examples or someone that you can kind of let us know about? Yeah, for everybody, there's there's lots of people that kind of, you know, make you who you are. But there's probably at least one person that that stands out. So during my, my teacher training, there was a guy called Robert Stevens, who's our course tutor for ICT as it was back in the day. And what was kind of special about Rob is he, is he really valued his team. And it was really obvious that he valued his team and his team felt valued. And the difference between Rob's team and someone else's team is Rob's team was always kind of extra motivated. They'd always go the extra mile. They'd always want to please him is the wrong word, but they, they just, they, they worked harder. And that's yeah. because they felt valued. That's because they felt that their whatever they were doing was making a, a, an impact. And I think kind of that making sure your staff feel valued, making sure that you listen to their opinions is really, really important. Um, and, you know, like he used to have some, some wicked phrases. Uh, one, I won't say them all here because they're definitely not appropriate for a podcast. But one, one of the one of his favourites was um, level five is difficult, and even like fifteen years on, you know that's still the, the same thing that we say to each other in the pub when us you know ex trainees go out together. Mm. Level five is difficult, and then there's there's like also people on the other, the other side. So uh, one of the first headmasters I worked under, he was asking a question about. You know, how, how do you make decisions or something like that? I can't remember the precise uh, question. And I was, I, I piped up, you know, like young trainees doing, I'd, I'd like to listen, try and gain a consensus. And his reply was just really, it was poppycock. And I, I was <laughs> like, what? You, you don't listen to your staff? And so there's, I think like um, Gina, who was on your, one of your previous podcasts was, was saying, there's probably just as many people who have, you thought, actually, no, I think you're wrong. I'm going to do stuff differently. As there is people who you've seen in life and go, oh, actually, I really like what you're doing. I'm going to do more of that. Um, yeah. Definitely. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's kind of an important point. Amazing. Uh, and the other thing we ask before we say goodbye to any, uh, to everyone is, uh, is there anything you would like to plug? Obviously, we'll put links and stuff to yeah. how people can access uh, ePraise and, and the YouTube videos for some of the demonstrations. But is there anything you want to uh, plug specifically while we have you? Uh, just, just um, we'd, we'd love to hear from, from people, actually. We don't, we're not a business that you know, has lots of VC funding that spends money on shiny ads. We're a business that works really hard for, for our customers because we care. And, um, you know, email us, hello at ePraise.co.uk. Um, we'd really love to speak to you. I mean, I reckon you'd be blown over by the platform and, and the team behind it as well. So, yeah, it'd be, be great to hear from you. And it sounds, it sounds like that is all fuel and food for the team as well. If there's If there's anyone using it, who has some positive testimonial, like it sounds like that's just stokes the fires. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a huge difference to us. So um, yeah, tell us, tell us about it. I worked at, I worked at a pub and the the group name was food and fuel just as a, a little tidbit for you there. Nice. (laughs) He said food and fuel. And I was like, hang on, I'm sure I've worked for a company. (laughs) So yeah, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. At like, I feel like we probably could have talked for another hour just on the gorilla throwing bananas game alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another day, absolutely. I'm not sure about that, listeners. <laughs> yeah, just su- super to have you on and to hear how you guys are really looking into how to motivate uh, young people, but also how to kind of spread that you know, and, and engage with families and engage with teachers and engage with, with, uh, the students and the parents. So it's a, it's a brilliant platform for that. And so thanks for coming and describing it and talking about how you guys are working. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate Cheers. it, mate. Bye. Bye-bye. 
thanks then to Ben Dumford uh, from Epres for that conversation. Uh, it felt like it could have gone f- for ages. There was so much to get into uh, about the, the the school stuff that he's talking about. Um, yes, about that business that's using it. That's really interesting. Um, although, like, f- fascinating. We, uh, uh, I'd, I'd be interested to dig deeper on how he uh, applies it to uh, his own environment. And that, that something about that was the most interesting thing for me was that how he rewards or what is the reward for the people making e-praise and that idea that the, the testimonials are the most valuable currency for them. They really, that's how they feel the impact of their work. Definitely. I mean, you know, the company is called e-praise and, you know, that I think that we forget as adults uh, especially when we get into maybe more managerial positions or senior positions, or if, if we are, you know, the if we are the owner of the business or the CEO, you know, we can forget that praise is super, super important. And there's so many studies to show that monetary gain is not always considered the best reward for for its uh, for for employees for for human beings. You know, that praise or, is, or even is, for students. Is huge. Because, all, like, students, like you were saying, yeah. the 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 shop stops being about pens and uh, you know rainbow coloured rubbers or whatever, and starts being about you know memories or being able to gift stuff or charity yeah, experiences, donations. yeah, memorable that, experiences. That kind of inherent value, rather in, intrinsic value, rather than rather than the value of of the short-term reward of uh, cash or a thing. And it's interesting that that's, that that is echoed inside and outside of the platform. Definitely. And, you know, the, the main, uh, you know, one of the main points about, about speaking with Ben for me and just getting him on the podcast was, was just the fact that I do think that sometimes we have forgotten how important praise is and rewarding young people. And that sometimes there is an expectation that you'll get good grades, that you'll behave, that you'll turn up on time, that you'll attend school. These sometimes these aren't givens. That that's the the bottom line. And the kid that was going to get an A, who does get an A, doesn't get that pat on the back in the way that they that, that says you're you know you've done something outstanding there. Yeah, and in the same way that someone who may be seen as uh, a challenge. Um, you know, or can challenge you as a teacher, you know, Monday to Wednesday, but then has a really great Thursday needs Mm. to have that praise. It can't just be, Oh, you decided to be good today. Great. I hope you're good tomorrow. There needs to be something there. And so when teachers can have something that's really efficient and easy to use, they're much more likely to use it. And if they're much more likely to use it, it means that students are praised more often, but then to take that out of a school context and put it into the adult working world, I still feel as though we forget that adults also need praise. They need praise. It, it, it then becomes their motivation. You know, we all get paid Mm. to do a job, you know, at different levels. Some people earn more, some people earn less. The next thing is the praise side of it, you know, because if we feel valued and we feel like we've done a good job and someone tells us that it's hugely important. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to harp on too much about this, but I do want to ask you, Sean, where we are in a situation where let's say you do have that kid who is a nightmare Monday to Wednesday, but on Thursday, by virtue of not being a nightmare is deserving or gets rewarded or praised. Um, and then you've got the kid that is golden Monday through Friday and as as a result doesn't get the, a, a similar praise. Um, where do you stand on that in terms of its fairness, in terms of its effectiveness? It's, it's a really difficult one because if we, if we use maybe like a sporting kind of framework, you know, you're going to have your star athlete who is going to have different goals, aims, objectives, um, and standards to an extent than maybe someone who comes off the bench, you know, that they're working towards different things. So if you've got an A star student who gets A stars in their homework and in their coursework and in their tests, 
they're on track to do what they want to do and get to where they want to get. So they still need someone to kind of support that and say, well done, you're on track. But I don't necessarily think it's as important as the student who's really struggling, but shows determination and, and some work rate and improves and they decide to have a really good day on Thursday. And the reason I say that is because you're trying to teach them exactly behaviors. Yeah. You're trying to teach them behaviors. They need the good stuff pointed out so that they can learn yeah. what it is that we, we expect or hope from them. Yeah, but but on your point, Mark, you know, I think part of what you're trying to say as well is that sometimes the A-star students do get forgotten a little bit and maybe they don't get, maybe they don't get the praise and it's expected. Or they don't get the sense of fairness in the process. Or the sense of fairness. Yeah. Because someone has one good lesson and, you know, we, we get out the party poppers, you know, and, you know, that student's had four weeks of good lessons and, it's expected or, 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 or 10 them. years you know <laughs> or 10 years of or 10 years of good work so i mean i have seen it though where there is a big disparity between the a star students and the students that are struggling and that's that the students that are struggling are the difficult ones the challenging ones you know not doing the the basic fundamentals that they need to in a school and then the a star students are constantly bombarded with praise and reward because you almost you almost gain a relationship with that student because they're doing what you ask them to and you're not worrying about having to tell them x y and z because they're already doing it so it becomes easier to reward that person and that's a dangerous place to be in yeah that first kid has experienced the negative impact of uh you know the stick rather than the carrot there is, you know, there's times and places for uh, versions of the stick of punishment. Uh, I don't know. Is there an epunishment.com out there anyway? <laughs> um, I mean, no, they, they have their behavior section of it, though, which we didn't really go into, but they have no. their sanction section in there just just as just as they have their reward system. But there is but there is, like you were saying, that teaching element of. I think that the uh, you know I personally believe that the praise teaches better than the punishment. Yeah. In terms of changing behaviors, the yeah. the the will to change behavior comes from an assumption that maybe you didn't know how to be good because you hadn't learned it. And so I'm just going to make sure that you know by giving you that, you know, that dopamine hit of a of of a reward that that's what we expect uh it's an interesting one i'm sure we're going to talk about it again but we have gone on for quite some time so maybe maybe let's let's wrap it up for them pick it up in another one um thanks to yeah thanks to ben for coming on uh thanks to everyone for listening uh you can feedback to us we love it too it's not just the praise team that love to hear that they're doing good <laughs> please come and pat us on the yeah. back uh on itunes reviews or google podcast reviews or directly via at no i podcast on twitter or instagram uh you can email us mark or sean at no i podcast dot show do check out uh, ePraise and the videos that we put up in the in the show notes. But uh, for now, all that's left is for me to say uh, goodbye from Sean. Goodbye, guys. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. You must be like the Wolf Pack. Teamwork. Yes. <laughs>